When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. If you shopped for a new home recently, chances are you used an app called Zillow. It's one of the most popular ways to find a house or a new apartment. And for years, the service has been essential for folks trying to list their house for sale. Recently, Zillow took it one step further. The company didn't just help people sell their houses. Zillow started buying the houses itself. After all, selling a house is a lot of work. You have to hire an agent, get an appraisal, do paperwork. It's a lot of steps. So Zillow said, just sell your house to us. You get money and we'll worry about the rest. The company was very bullish on this project. I mean, going back to, you know, to September, it was really all guns blazing. You know, we're growing really fast. That's Pat Clark, a real estate reporter for Bloomberg, who's been following what started out for Zillow as a promising business venture. But in recent days, it's all come crashing down. In your reporting, you describe this business as Zillow's home flipping operation. For folks who don't know, what is home flipping? Traditionally, home flipping has been you go out and you buy a house, you rip out the old carpeting, you update the kitchen appliances, you try to sell it for more than you bought it for. Traditionally, it was a business where you went and looked for people who were in trouble, you know, somebody who was old and sort of no longer able to keep up with the maintenance on a house and tried to find a deal. Very coincidentally, I've been rewatching Friday Night Lights on Netflix, and there is an episode in the season I'm watching where the high school football players get into home flipping um, and make it seem kind of easy, but at the same time, more complicated than they initially thought. Well, his house is on the market for 250. I happen to know he'll take 220. Maybe you throw 30 in there, sell it for 350. I mean, it's flipping houses. I saw it on TV. It works. Okay. Well, guess what, genius? House market sucks right now. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's when all the scared rats are running away from the sinking market that the real entrepreneurs come in. The true visionaries. When did Zillow? pivot to home flipping? And and what was their main business originally? Zillow's main business, going back about 15 years, has been publishing real estate listings online and then connecting real estate agents to the people who are browsing those listings. And then charging the agent a fee for connecting them with potential clients. In 2018, Zillow decided to get into this new age, new neo-home flipping business called iBuying, where they are you know, using their algorithms to put prices on homes, buying the homes, making light repairs, and putting them back on the market. So can you walk me through how this was supposed to work for Zillow? So as, as someone who's used the app mainly for Zillow tourism, I'm kind of familiar with the, the Zestimate and the idea that Zillow has a pretty large view of what's happening with the real estate market. How exactly did Zillow want to leverage that for the home flipping business? 
assuming you you own a house in one of the 20 something markets where they're doing this in and that's that's a, a worthwhile distinction you know if you live in the new york city area or in most big cities in in the united states this probably was never an option for you but if you lived in phoenix and you owned a house and you were on zillow looking at listings of the bigger house the bigger better house that you want to buy they would put up a little button that says like sell your house to zillow you click the button and you know they tell you sort of what it's about and if you ask them for an offer on your house, they would very quickly generate an offer. If that sounds like a good deal to you, you click the button, they will send you an offer, you accept, you set a closing date. At some point, they'll send somebody to actually go look at your house and make sure that, you know, that it, it sort of matches their data, that there's not a hole in the roof or, you know, raccoons living in the basement or whatever. And then they kind of let you set a closing date, right? And this is like from a consumer proposition, this is the really um, the really nice thing about it is most people who are selling their house are also buying a house. If that's the case, there is a real challenge in terms of lining up the two transactions. You need to get a mortgage to buy the next house. Uh, the person who's buying your, your the house you live in right now needs to get a mortgage to buy that. There's a whole sort of chain of transactions that have to come off in order to let you do what you want to do. And here's this big tech company saying, we'll take on like a lot of a headache of this. Here's how much money we'll give you. And, and, and you can tell us when you want the money. And that will simplify your life a lot. And, you know, in, in theory, like Zillow would charge you some percentage. That fee can move up and down, I think, at the end here, um, because they were really hell-bent on buying more homes, they lowered the price that they were charging consumers. But that was the basic proposition. You know, you pay Zillow uh, in return for an easy sell. And how much of that process on Zillow's end, the Zestimate, how much of that is automated, algorithmic? I would say it's all automated, right? Like the Zestimate is generated by, you know, what are the other homes that have sold in this neighborhood in a recent period of time? How are those homes like or unlike the home in front of us here? What are the assumptions we're making about home price appreciation, you know, in the future and whatever else they pour onto that, right? They were predicting where home prices are going and they got that massively wrong. Now, whether that was because some poor data scientist, you know, wrote some bad lines of code or made some faulty assumptions or whether, uh, you know, it was a question of Zillow's leadership wanting to be more aggressive. Um, and offer higher prices because offering higher prices would let them grow faster. You know, uh, between those two options, you know, my sense is it's more the latter than the former. Zillow miscalculated what the houses were going to be worth in the future, I think is the important way to think about it. But it's safe to say Zillow has access to a ton of data. And there was a viral TikTok a few weeks ago that accused the company of manipulating the housing market by using this data to buy up tons of homes. What if there was a company that everybody used, everybody used, everybody knew of to look for houses and everybody goes on there and searches for houses when they're bored and stuff. And so that company, they just sit back and they just collect all the data. They just know what zip code is looking at what zip code and how much those people can afford. Everyone's looking at this one zip code and everybody seems to be able to afford this certain amount. And let's say that billion dollar company uses that information to go into that zip code and start purchasing houses. Is that accurate? And could you break down how that would even work? <laughs> the, I, I mean, I don't think it's accurate. 
it's a fun conspiracy theory. I mean, putting aside even how much data Zillow has, you know, in theory, like a company like Zillow could own like 100 homes in a neighborhood that it bought at one price. And then in theory, it could start buying more homes at a higher price. So like we spent the last three months buying 100 homes at $300,000. And now we're going to start buying homes that are very similar to those at $400,000 in hopes of creating a new market price. And theoretically, maybe if we buy a few homes at $400,000, those become you know comparisons to the homes that we already owned. And we're going to manipulate the prices of the houses that we own. Why would they pay $340 for this 31st home whenever they've only paid $300 for these others? Well, what that just did is create a new comp. So when they go to sell these other 30 homes, that extra $40,000 that you could say this one sold for $340 just made them $1.2 million off that one neighbor. Because they know from their research how much people can afford in that zip code. That's certainly not what we saw happen. What we saw happen is that Zillow bought homes for more money than they could actually sell the homes for. And that ended really badly for Zillow. So yeah, I would say uh, TikTok conspiracy theory, probably not true. Well, then coming back to the real world, where did this experiment go wrong for Zillow? When did you first start noticing some warning signs? And more specifically, when did things really unravel? Up until very recently, the way the company talked about this was, this is an incredible consumer proposition and there is so much demand for it and everything is great. At some point, the company decided that it wanted to buy more houses than it was already buying. And the way this works is scale. We can do this on so many homes. We're getting discounts on pain. So from the very beginning, they felt like they this wasn't something that made sense if they were doing 300 homes a month. In fact, they said at the beginning that they wanted to get to 5,000 homes a month and then kind of grow from there. A little more than two weeks ago, I heard that Zillow was beginning to tell customers it was done buying homes for the year, that it had reached its capacity. It became clear pretty quickly that not only had Zillow stopped buying, but it was in a rush to sell the homes that it had already bought. You know, oftentimes it was listing a home on the open market for $400,000. And then you'd go and look it up and you'd see that three weeks earlier, Zillow had bought that home for $430,000, right? So taking a loss on these, clearly not a way that the business is supposed to work. The beginning of this week, we wrote a story saying Zillow had was basically shopping on a, you know, a large amount of inventory, 7,000 homes to real estate investment trusts and private equity firms that would convert the homes into rental houses. So again, sort of expressing desire to liquidate their holdings. And then of course, on Tuesday, uh, when they reported earnings, they said that they were pulling the plug on the entire program and they decided the whole thing was too risky for them and they were going to sell what they owned, lay off a quarter of their workforce and figure out you know, a new vision for the future of the company. And in terms of a dollar amount, what will all this cost Zillow? You know, they said this week that they now believe that homes that they have already bought and homes that are under contract are worth you know, more than half a billion dollars less than what they agreed to buy them for, you know, just a few weeks or a couple months earlier. It certainly was a costly adventure for them. And like, 
Zillow, which is sort of the most famous residential real estate tech company, tried and failed. But the problem they were trying to solve is that selling a house and buying a house can be a painful transaction, which is still done very much in the same way it's been done for 100 years. And there's still plenty of companies who believe that they can make money by making a better consumer experience. Zillow probably started out in the best position to be the company that would do this. They've sort of wasted three years on a business model that doesn't work for them. And whatever they do next, it, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be a little bit farther behind the competition. So what does this whole Zillow saga tell us about the industry at large? I think the term is eye-buying, where companies use technology to, to flip houses. What does this mean for other companies that are trying to do this? It has some implications. I mean, is this, for one thing, you know, having Zillow out of the space is, 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 is also good, right? This is a competitor with some built-in advantages, you know, largely like this massive consumer audience of people who are spending time on Zillow anyway. It is still in many ways a new business model. We still don't know exactly how big it will get, whether it's niche, whether it works at all in the long term. But, you know, ultimately, like, Zillow being gone is not going to stop Open Door from doing what it's doing, and, and which it is doing much more successfully than Zillow has been. Well, Patrick, thanks for joining us and explaining everything. Thanks a lot. Open Door, Zillow's biggest competitor in the home flipping arena, will report its latest financials later this month. And after Zillow's blunder, the earnings could offer yet another read on whether this iBuying model could be successful in the future. Thanks for tuning in. This episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinosa and engineered by Paul Robert Mouncey. Did you sell your house to Zillow? Do you want to know anything else about the world of tech and real estate? Email us, recodedaily at recode.net.